Hello, loyal listeners, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Irrational Thoughts, where you can get all of your political news and insight from your two favorite hosts. And today we're going to try something a little different. We're trying to experiment with a lot of different formats, see which one works best, and today we're just going to essentially ramble about a lot of different things, whatever essentially pops into our mind. This is like an off-the-cuff unscripted episode we did not do a whole lot of research for this episode because we really wanted to give you like a more raw visceral episode from emotion and i've been talking to a lot of people the last few days and they've been they've been telling me like oh if you do this podcast you know you you can't have bias and you you have to be more open to other people's point of views which which is true but at the end of the day like we're not journalists so we don't pretend to be journalists. So we, we are allowed to have biases, and I've made my biases very evident, a little bit more so than my uh, my co-host DeAndre has. And that being said, yes, I do have a bias. I completely acknowledge that when it comes to a variety of topics. But I also want you to understand that I also peruse a lot of sites and news sources that don't necessarily align with my worldview because I like to see how other people view different projects and points of view. So, like I said, we're not journalists, so I can have complete bias on this program because it, it is our program. I can I can say and have any kind of views I want, and I'm not beholden to anybody, and neither is DeAndre. So if you, if you don't like what we have to say in this program, you're more than welcome to let us know or not listen. That being said, it's going to be raw, it's going to be visceral, might get a little heated. Thanks for listening. So, first thing we're going to talk about today is in light of the uh, attacks in Brussels last week that happened, horrible, terrible incident no matter what, but we're going to, first off what we're going to talk about is something we brought up before on this program, and sometimes it feels like we're beating a dead horse with this point, but I think it's a very important point to make just because of the historical implications and what has happened in the past and it can it can happen again and that is the demonization of Muslims in this country after every one of these attacks it really gets under my skin every time it happens when I see candidates and, and to point out when I say candidates it's it's mostly Donald Trump and Ted Cruz that I'm talking about when I see what Donald Trump and Ted Cruz have to say after these attacks it just boils my blood like no other the, the complete demonization of 3 million people in this country, the smallest minority in this country, one of the smallest minorities in this country, are continually attacked for just their religious beliefs. It, it's just infuriating. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's, it's a, they're basically a simple symptom of the other, where they're just so much more different than the rest of the community or the rest of the United States, where... You know, it's really it really is easy to demonize somebody who's completely different than you, um, and then you add on top of you know the terrorist attacks and then the lack of education on what Islam actually teaches and stuff like that. It just makes it that much easier to demonize them. And then the candidates are basically feeding 
what makes me really mad about stuff like that is that the candidates feed off of this fear and anger that people have of it for their own political gain. You shouldn't be feeding off that stuff to empower yourself. If anything, you should be trying to use situations like that to reach a more better understanding because using force and violence in the long run isn't going to be a really good viable solution to anything. It's just going to cause more problems in the long run. Well, hell, even after 9-11, like it was like it was about a week after 9-11, George Bush went to a mosque right after 9-11, 2001, went to a mosque and said, hey, these are bad people who did this, not Muslims. He's like, he said, Islam is a religion of peace. Like that's George W. Bush, the guy who started the Iraq war going to a mosque and saying, hey, don't stereotype all these muslims because of what these people did it's it's just ridiculous like and like you said you brought that point up it's like the fear of the other which we always need that other in society in order so that we can marginalize and blame our problems on which that's not cool but that's that problem's not going away anytime soon right and then i feel like the other thing is something that is more not only is it used with that but it's used a little bit more politically when it comes to the whole um like Republicans versus Democrats, you know, it's really easy for Democrats to go, oh, well, it's the Republicans' fault, or really easy for the Republicans to go, it's the Democrats' fault. They're basically using the other part, where both parties are typically almost equally responsible for every action. I mean, Barack Obama wasn't any less war-hungry than George W. Bush, but, you know, during George W. Bush's, when he was in office, Republicans were completely behind him, and then while Barack Obama was in office, Democrats were completely behind any type of foreign intervention that he had as well. So it's just one of those things where they basically just, they're always using this other thing to their advantage when it's convenient for them. But then when it's not convenient, when somebody else is doing something that they would have done themselves if they were in office, now it's an opportunity for them to capitalize on the people out there who, who think otherwise. Yeah, you're, you're trying to tell me that um, Ted Cruz and Donald Trump wouldn't use the NSA surveillance capabilities the same way that Barack Obama did? Like, let's get real serious. Of course they would. They would. They would do the exact same thing in the same situation. But and that that bring comes brings up another point that we we're gonna rant and rave about today is the bipartisanship in this country and the the divisiveness that's in this country that. It seems that Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, and I would argue to a lesser degree, Bernie Sanders enables a little bit this us versus them mentality where right versus left, you know, Republicans are evil and criminalize conservatism and, you know, Democrats are are evil and they're going to bankrupt our country and, you know, Democrats, like all these things, like it's, we're, we're turning political opponents into enemies where we're essentially saying that if you're a Republican or Democrat, whichever side you're on, the opposite side are enemies of the state. And it makes it really hard for you to have any kind of respect or work with somebody who thinks differently than you when your leaders of your perspective ideology continuously talk about the other side that way. Like nothing productive comes from that. And both sides are both very, very guilty of this. It's not just the Republicans, it's not just the Democrats. Right. I think that, like, the divisiveness is something that just makes it really easy for the American people to be blinded behind what's actually going on. I mean, you know, left wing, right wing are basically, you know, 
still both wings of the same bird. So I think that both, I mean, come on, man. I mean, when you look at the 2007, 2008 financial crisis, when it came to like the bailouts and stuff, both sides almost got just as much money from each side. Like Barack Obama got just as much money from large banks as, as John McCain did. So to say that they have different agendas when it comes to stuff like that is absolutely ridiculous. No, and the agendas they do differ on are pretty much just ploys anyways to appeal to their base. I'm, I want to say I'm kind of glad that a lot of evangelicals are waking up to the fact that the Republican Party has essentially been playing them for a number of decades with their you know, it, we, everybody knows that there's the preconception in this country that the Republican is the party of Christianity in this country. And I think a lot of evangelicals voting for Donald Trump, while Donald Trump may be running as a Republican, he's not a traditional Republican by any means, not by any means at all. He's never pretended to be a traditional Republican. He's not even really conservative. So evangelicals flocking towards Trump, which that's something we can get into entirely later. I think, I think they finally realized that the Republican party has been playing them for fools for a number of decades by toting this anti-abortion. It was was anti-abortion in the seventies and eighties. And then lately it's been more about the LGBT rights and stuff like that. And religious liberty, religious liberty is a big one that we've talked about before. But they're finally waking up to the fact that the Republicans don't really care about any of that crap. They just rabble the Christian evangelical base so they can get into office. And then once they're in office, they don't do anything about it. Right. I mean, that's what happens when people intermingle intermingle their religion into politics. I mean, a lot of people, you know, Republicans and Democrats as well. So I'm not going to act like they're innocent on the matter. But Republicans especially, at least from where it's a lot easier to point out, but they're really big on the whole like you know, liberty, small government, as you always say, until it's something that, you know, that they want, that they don't like, that they want big government on, like abortion, like when it comes to gay rights and stuff like that, you know, stay out, stay out of, stay out of my hands, you know, stay out of my hair, big, you know, big brother, but, you know, on the, but, but, don't don't try it on me, but, you know, that gay couple over there that hasn't really harmed, that hasn't harmed anybody at all over there, I just don't like the idea of it. You can go over there and you can be big brother and if you can stop that stop what they're doing, that would be fantastic. And then it's not it's not even that. I mean like, okay, so you stop them from getting married. That's not gonna stop them from, you know, having sex or anything like that. That's not gonna stop them from having the relationship. All you're doing at that point is just stopping them from unifying their assets just like heterosexuals do. Yeah, no, that's that's and yeah, like I've said before, it's yeah, it's they're, they're they're all for small government until it's something they don't like. And to be completely fair on the issue, it was something we brought up in the last episode, but Democrats really get the minority vote in this country, and we didn't we didn't necessarily look at Democrats as a whole. We mostly focused our ire on Hillary Clinton and the Clintons in general, on why black people shouldn't necessarily support Hillary Clinton just for being a Clinton, but the Democratic Party as a whole is only this, quote, progressive because that's what a lot of people our age, which are, my millennials are now one of the largest voting blocks in the country, and Democrats have been able to pander to our views and our values better than Republicans have, 
while I don't think Democrats necessarily believe in everything that they claim to believe in as far as like our values go, they're, you know, they're trying to be, quote, progressive. The De- Democratic Party is, it's easier for them to change with the time. But the Democratic Party used to be the more conservative party. Like they were the ones who were very anti-civil rights in the 60s. Like that's when Southern Dixiecrats turned to Republicans. So yeah, them pretending to care about all these like minority issues. It's like, it's all just smoke and mirrors. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talk, I mean, look at Barack Obama, like one of his main campaign focuses in 2008 was talking about how, you know, he was going to, you know, do the Dream Act, let, you know, uh, Hispanics who were over here from a certain age onward become citizens. He was going to do things to try to, like, make the the process easier for Hispanics um, and legal Hispanics uh, to become citizens or at least get rights and, and, you know, some type of you know, be put on record and pay taxes and stuff. But Barack Obama is deported probably more, I think he's deported more uh, illegal immigrants than any other president in, in American history, if I'm not mistaken on the matter. Well, we had those high-profile raids um, back about a month and a half ago, or beginning of February, if I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. But there were those high-profile raids where he was essentially, like ICE was going into where illegal immigrants lived and they were deporting them. And, you know, regardless of how you feel on the issue of illegal immigration, a lot of these people, by you sending them back to their country, it's, it's essentially a death sentence for them. Like they, they will die there. A lot of them will die there. And like, like I mentioned earlier for Republicans to be so pro illegal immigration and also be the party of Christianity like I'm pretty sure the Bible calls you to love your neighbor, love your enemy, to have compassion for people, not be so xenophobic and nationalistic when it comes to things like immigration. Like just just throwing these people out to the wolves to their country, like El Salvador and the Dominican Republic, well, where they'll they'll get back and they will probably die. That is that's very un unchristlike, if you ask me. Definitely agree based off what I read about the man. Um, but you brought up something that kind of sparked something in me, which was the whole Republican Party and Christ-like and stuff like that. I was reading something recently about how uh, evangelicals, about their views on Christianity and stuff, about how the way that a lot of modern-day evangelicals view uh, their religion is, is that the more wealth they're able to accumulate, the more God must love them, which, man, I, I, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John several times, and under no circumstance was that anything that was ever mentioned in those books. If anything, the book's main focus was all about relinquishing one's wealth, and that doesn't seem to be like something that Republicans are too fond of. I know Democrats talk about it a lot. Um, you don't really see much action behind it. But at least they're talking about it, whereas Republicans are basically all like about like hoarding their wealth. And, you know, if you if you if you deserve to get this money, then you must work your way up there uh, with that lesser education and those lesser opportunities that you were dealt. Now, like like we said, with Democrats pandering and you, you brought up them talking about the whole wealth distrib- redistribution and everything. It's pandering because look at how much money the Clintons have, and they're 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 not. I mean, they are an anomaly in in a sense that 
just how much money they have. But Democratic legislators overall, like they, if you're a politician, you pretty much got a lot of money. You do it. You're doing pretty well for yourself. If you have if you're a politician in Washington. Right, you're 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 in the six like figures. Republican or Democrat. Yeah. Six figures plus. So and like I said, they're really good at acting like they care, and I'm sure some of them do care. That, that's I'm not to say that all of them don't. I'm sure some of them really do care, and take it take what they say on the campaign trail seriously on both sides. But it's all pandering, and like you said, you've read those books many times before. I have as well, and I'm pretty sure not 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 for this episode to get all theological on us, but. You know, we do have a party in this country that tries to be the party of Jesus. Whether whether they t- take that mantle or not, that's what they act like. We have a party that, you know, wants to accumulate all this money and wealth. And like you said, evangelicals thinking that, you know, we have to have all this money. That's how much God loves us. That prosperity gospel bullshit that I can't stand. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, go sell all your stuff. And then it's easier for a man, to, uh, a camel, to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. And I don't have the verses memorized, so I apologize for not citing those. But it's it's the Bible; you can go find it. Right. He says, like Jesus, like person these people say they believe in and follow. That's what he says. It sell all your stuff and follow me. I would have more respect for these people if they legitimately. Like Ted Cruz, like yeah, Ted Cruz isn't selling all his stuff and going to do missionary work in Africa. Let's, let's get real serious. He's not doing any of that stuff. He's not going to sully himself with hard work or do anything like that. Let's get real serious. Right. The fact that he even was able to bring up the fact that for his campaign, he liquidated like a lot of his assets and stuff shows you just how much money he had. Just the fact that he was able to even bring that up where I was able to liquidate my assets for my campaign trail. Why didn't you liquidate that beforehand and donate that people to to those who are less fortunate than you if you love God so much? But that is a, the agenda that he has. That doesn't fit his narrative of, you know, he's after, you know, the, the social things on gay rights and abortions and stuff like that. But when it comes to getting rid of one's wealth, well, let's slow down now. That's not his... You know, let's not talk about that part. Let's not talk about what Jesus said with that. Let's talk about the stuff that Jesus never actually talked about because one, abortion never existed back then. And then two, uh, you know, there was no, well, at least at the time there wasn't, well, Jesus didn't talk about gay people, but in the Roman Empire, you know, homosexual marriage wasn't an issue. No. And like like we said, we're not trying to make this a whole theological episode about the candidates faiths but if if you're going to say one thing it's you have to act this way i was watching the i was watching the town hall that they had on tonight for on, on cnn with uh it had ted cruz donald trump and john Kasich, and i was able to get through like half of donald trump's and i just shut it off i'm like deandre you ready to record let, let, let's record so i don't have to watch this anymore so Stopped recording. Stop watching that. I did watch all of Ted Cruz's stuff though, <laughs> and um, this this guy brought up this question. Asked him, like, how how does your faith play into your to your campaign, and like, why why is it such a big deal, and like, how do you feel how do how do you feel your message is going to appeal to other people without their faith? And he he said like he loves Jesus and all that stuff, and his faith plays a big role in his campaign, but you know. I don't like politicians who wear their faith on their sleeve when they're on Washington and 
when a candidate says God told me to run for office and he said he Ted Cruz said I'll vote for you and God tells me to vote for you and I could not help but but laugh because it's 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 a lie he does all those things he has worn his faith on his sleeve and he his wife said that God said that he needs to run for office his dad has said that Ted Cruz is the anointed one and and Heidi Heidi Cruz's wife also said that um through Ted Cruz, America will see the face of God. Like, his family has said that stuff. And he definitely wears his faith on his sleeve. Like, that's pretty much all. And he said he's trying to not go get people to vote for him based on his religion. Like, that's essentially all he's trying to get. We talked about this last episode when he, when that atheist asked him why you should vote for him. And he pretty much said, I hope you convert. <laughs> but you should vote for me because I'm a constitutionalist. Like, he's com- completely full of crap. I couldn't help but laugh. All right, I'm a constitutionalist when it's convenient, but I just find it. I'm I'm still waiting for the moment where a moderator or somebody in the audience, whenever somebody says something like that, says something like that, I I just can't help but wish that somebody would just ask them, just oh, that's great. What does God's voice sound like? Like just just bring like just bring that up in the conversation. And what language did he tell you to run in? You know, like, it's just such a ridiculous thing. It's just such a ridiculous thing for people to say, you know, God told me to do this. Okay, great. Uh, he told you and the 16 other people running, so who is he lying Right, who to? is he lying to? And then why did he set you up for failure since you lost, uh, all, you know, against whoever at the time? It's just it's just so crazy to me that nobody ever brings that up. Cause I, I mean, I feel like that's a legitimate question. If God told me to do something... I would tell people what his voice sounded like. I think it sounded like, you know, thunderous applause. I don't know what it would sound. Yeah, I was I'm, I was pretty sure it was Morgan Freeman, but then he said, no, I'm God. And then I was like, okay, well, Morgan Freeman is God, so my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I think I'm ready to move yeah, on. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably a good idea. It's, it's, this is probably a good idea to move on from this point, so... Back to the whole Brussels terrorist attack. Like we said, horrible stuff. Blew my phone up. Terrible. ISIS. ISIS, they're really... Like, like my like my boy Donald Trump would say, terrible people. They're just terrible. And while I'm in solidarity with Brussels, I'm also in solidarity with Turkey, with Africa, Nigeria, that has been ravaged by Boko Haram, and I'm also in solidarity with Pakistan, any anybody who's been hit with terrorism in any way, shape, or form, whether it's Muslim terrorism, Christian Christian terrorists, secular terrorism, any kind of terrorist, I'm I'm completely in solidarity with those people because they don't you don't deserve that. Nobody deserves to be hit like that. But I think what we were talking over the last week it really upsets me that Brussels, Belgium gets hit all over the news. It's all I see, all the time. I cannot tell you how many times Turkey has been attacked by ISIS, and I never see any media coverage on it at all. We never see any media coverage on Boko Haram, which Boko Haram is the most dangerous terrorist group in the world. For people who don't know who Boko Haram is, which is completely understandable because nobody ever talks about Boko Haram, they are a ISIS affiliate. They've been around longer than ISIS, but they're now an ISIS affiliate in West Africa. They're they're mainly based in Nigeria, but they they operate in a lot of West Africa. And they they're the people who um 
that hashtag that did absolutely nothing back in 2014, the hashtag bring back our girls, they're the ones who stole all those girls back in 2014, which that hashtag did a whole lot because we never found those girls. They, they operate in West Africa. They're an is- Islamic terrorist group. Boko Haram pretty much means death to Western education. And that's why they, that's what they were founded on, like making sure Western education did not reach people in West Africa. Now they're they're an ISIS affiliate doing, you know, all the horrible things you can imagine ISIS doing on a larger scale in West Africa. And there is a major terrorist attack by Boko Haram a, few, uh, a couple weekends ago. No reporting on it. There was that horrible bombing in Pakistan on Sunday. I didn't get any coverage on that because now it's Pakistan. Uh, it's Africa. No, it's just it's just Turkey. Like, man, it's just all these places that aren't, like, we don't really care about them. So, oh, but it's Brussels. Oh my gosh, let's light up the Eiffel Tower. Let's talk about it for a week. So, the the rant essentially boiling it down is the media's selective coverage on terrorist attacks. Which I understand if we were going to cover terrorist attacks all the time, like that's all that we would cover on the mainstream news. But I I got a notification from, from BBC about the Pakistan attack, and as soon as I heard about that, I switched to. All of the major news networks, MSNBC, Fox News, and CNN, to see what they were talking about. Eh, not a peep. Let's talk about Donald Trump instead. Okay. So I feel like I should start bringing like a notepad for like when you start going because you, man, you go. I really do love it though. But um, I got, I think I got two things for you that I, I'd, I'd like you to comment on. I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I mean it's the same thing. It's with the others. I mean, if something happens in Europe. I mean, I guess we feel like we're, I guess we feel like we're part of that, right? Western civilization. We're pretty much friends with most of the big, the big players, Germany, France, England, and Europe. So, you know, we're pretty close to them. Um, whereas, I mean, how many people, I mean, how many people even know where Turkey is, right? I mean, you bring up Turkey and some people go like, are you talking about the Thanksgiving, you know, dish? I mean, what are you even talking about? Or where Pakistan is or, you know, where you know, where Nigeria is. Um, so I think that's part of the issue. And then the other thing I, I want to bring up is you're saying, you say that, you know, it's the, it's the media's fault, but do you think it's really the media's fault or do you think it's the American people's fault? Because the media is for profit. And if they bring up something that people don't care about, then they lose money. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up playing devil's advocate with us, with ourselves. And I, I don't think the f- blame lies solely on one or the other. I think it's a combination of our disinterest in learning about the rest of the world generally and just not caring if it's not a Western civ- civilized world. Like That's essentially what it comes down to. It's like we don't, as a nation as a whole, we don't care about the non-Western world unless it's Israel. Right. And I think... So I think no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, I'll go. And I think a lot of that has to go through with like our edu- our K through twelve system. I mean, if you look, if I look back at my K through twelve education, whenever we talked about world history, we were basically just talking about Europe and the United States. That's pretty much all we were talking about. We never really talked about you know uh, Africa. We never really talked about the Middle East or Asia or Latin America. Um, I mean, for, for heaven's sake, uh, World War II didn't start in Europe. World War II started in China, but, you know, no, 
not until I graduated from high school did I even know that, that that's actually where the war started. So I think a lot of it has to do with that and then that whole nationalist ideology where, you know, the people in this border are better than the people in the rest of the borders or these imaginary lines drawn across the world. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because I think Middle Eastern and Asian history, it's, it's just so rich and fascinating. It goes back so long, whereas Western civilization is pretty much the last thousand roughly a thousand years but whereas chinese and middle eastern history that goes back like almost six seven thousand years there's just so much there it's so interesting and that's not to get off tangent but yeah the k through the k through 12 system it's like the same thing for me it's like okay this is when history starts when you know here in england and blah 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 people finding them columbus discovered america not the vikings and oh there are people who were living here before but now we live here but yeah, I think that's part of the problem, and and like you said, the media is a for-profit business, and they I think they have taken their role as watchdog of the government and of for the people. I think they've abused it, and I think they are not the watchdogs anymore. They're they're the only thing they're watching out for is their pocketbooks. They they don't care about credible journalism anymore. Some of them do, but a majority of them don't. No, and that's obviously a problem. That's obviously a fault on us and in legislation and stuff like that. I was reading something. I I gotta look it up again so I can speak up to it a little in a lot more detail about how uh, when like uh, news broadcasting was first started and stuff that there was legislation that was passed and the one piece that they could have kept out of it was um, that it was gonna be something that kind of like with radios and stuff like that where basically like they wouldn't be making most of their money off of like commercials and stuff like that. I don't remember exactly how it went but it was going to be like something where it changed it to where basically they wouldn't have to cater to what people were mostly interested in but they'd actually be able to cater more to actual news that helped open your mind and you know give you a better understanding of the world and why certain things were happening the way they happened. I, I gotta look at, I gotta look into it more obviously um, it's obviously something for everybody to take a chance to look into because if it is true, then it is a definite defect on cable broadcasting for news t- news uh, channels. Well, that's why I listen to NPR all the time because they're public radio, like they're funded. Like they they get some government funding, but here in Michigan, we listen to Michigan radio, and they a lot of their funding comes from people like us. Like we give them money during their fund drives, which it's annoying to listen to, but you know we give them money and then they report on the stuff we want them to listen to. Like they 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 report on news that I won't hear on MSNBC, CNN, or Fox. And I really like having the BBC on late at night. I really enjoy listening to BBC, and that's why I like NPR because they aren't bought out by big corporations. They don't run ads for anything. It's pretty much like, hey, here's the news at the top of the hour. Here's your programming for an hour. News at the top of the hour. Here's your program. And that's what I like about it. Yeah, that's the way that it should be. I mean, they should be catering to enlighten us. It should be something that, you know, after I get done listening to it, I don't feel like I got done watching reality TV. I should feel like I just got done being educated on something and I'm able to make a more informed decision based off of what I just listened 
even the people who are on the NPR programs who disagree with each other, like they'll, they'll usually have like on Diane Reams, there'll be a conservative perspective and a more liberal perspective. They still get along. Like they don't like attack, attack each other and yell at each other on air. They'll be like, whoa, whoa wait a second. Like, this is where you're wrong. Or this is where I disagree. And they'll have a cordial disagreement. Whereas you watch CNN, MSNBC, like they're, they're, they're yelling at each other. They'll just yell at each other on, on air. And I, I honestly think the media does it on purpose to keep us divisive, divisive so that we're easier to control where you, where you essentially think like, oh, if you're a conservative, you're my enemy and you are a danger to our country and vice versa. If you're a liberal, you're a danger to my country. It, it just makes it that much more easier to demonize other people who disagree with you, whereas I don't like that defending Muslims has become the liberal position and demonizing Muslims has become the conservative position. If you disagree, just look at what the Democratic candidates are saying about the Syrian refugees and how we should treat Muslims, and then look at what conservatives are saying about treating the Syrian refugees and the Muslims. It's not something I made up. All I have to do is listen to what they have to say. And it just presents itself. What I was going to go off was is that basically, basically what the media is having us do is focus more on who they're basically having us focus on projecting as somebody else is the problem, whereas we're not focusing, whereas we're not doing what we should be doing, which is focusing on the solution. And then when it comes to Muslims, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, Barack Obama. I mean, Barack Obama has killed pretty pretty much just as many Muslims, you know. Bomb just as many drone strikes in Yemen and all over the world to just as many Muslims as, as George W. Bush would have done. So it's, it's not like either either side is for or against them even more than the other. Uh, they both are just as destructive to to Muslims as the other. No, but but um, Barack Obama gets off the hook because he's used drones and not U.S. troops in order to achieve his goal. Yeah, those dead Muslims really uh, really care about what the difference is, though, don't they? No, I'm, yeah, no, I know, I'm, I know you're just saying. I know, I know, where you're, I, yeah, you, but um, from a perspective of the country, like, he gets off the hook because, you know, we didn't send servicemen over there to die and kill those Muslims, whereas, you know, W did. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, if you want to look at, the, just looking at the difference between George W. Bush and Barack Obama, that's, I mean, it's not, it's not even a comparison in regards. It's not even a comparison because, you know, George W. Bush had 9-11, so of course he had to do an invasion uh, to try to get the, the terrorists who attacked us at the time. Um, Iraq is a completely different story. Uh, most people would agree. Most people, at least now, would agree that that was probably a mistake, uh, especially considering that it resulted in the rise of ISIS. But Barack Obama, I mean, at the time, I mean, he won off of, he basically won off of the, the peace agenda where he was telling people, Day one, he was going to be bringing all the troops back with the stroke of a pen. You can look, you can look it up on YouTube. He said that on day one, that's what he was going to do. Not six, seven years later that he was going to do that, and that's what he won off of. But that's of course not what resulted. You know, I mean, day one he basically sent more troops over there than years later he brought them back on his second term, and then sent more troops over last year. Right, which is. God, that's just one of the most aggravating things about Barack Obama for me. But 
<laughs> no, and like, like everyone wants to hate on him, but he's. I would argue he's when it comes to foreign policy, he's really not that much different than George W. Bush. Like he's intervened in a lot of parts of the world. Like people, like people wanted to get involved in Syria. Yeah, like they want they wanted him to get. He wanted to get involved in Syria bad when those when those yeah, chemical he, weapons he first came up. Yeah, oh yeah, of course he still does. But man, was he trying to push for that to go? And luckily, the American people were just not behind it. But he was talking about that pretty much almost every day after it happened. Yep, he drew that line in the sand. And when you make choices like that, like you know, it was it was the one time where Congress was just like, "No, this ain't happening. We're not going over there. We're not going over there because the people don't want to go over there, and we kind of like where we're sitting right now." And I would, yeah, with the guy said, I think I think Barack Obama's pretty much been a neocon on foreign policy. I also don't think he's been any better on civil liberties than George W. Bush. You you want to get all happy that he's supported gay marriage? Like he only did that. God, correct me if I'm wrong, DeAndre. It was last year when he came out. It was around this time last year when he came out in support of same-sex marriage, wasn't it? It, it was this. It was last year, 2014. It was literally like a couple months. I don't even think it was a couple months before. I think it was a couple weeks before the Supreme Court justice had the hearing, where they had the hearing and they made the decision. It was a, it was a little bit before then, and then he finally came out. I endorse uh, gay marriage. Uh, where were you the last five, six years? Yeah, where, where, yeah, where were you in two thousand eight when you said that marriage between a man and a woman? I understand times change. Like the the, the national view on same sex marriage has drastically changed in that time frame, but. Like you can't be a champion of the movement like by by just switching your mind that quickly, and then the whole NSA surveillance program like that is a complete violation of our Fourth Amendment rights. You might as well just take the Fourth Amendment and shit on it, with with all the government surveillance. Just just do it. The Fourth Amendment's gone. Like they say they've taken that stuff back and brought it down, but like they're lying to you people. They're still spying on you. Right. You know, but that's another thing that I really want to talk about, and I, I think that we need to get out there as well, is the iPhone thing with Apple and, uh, what is it, uh, the FBI? Is it the FBI that they have yes. the court battles with? Yep. With, yeah. Yep, it was Apple and the FBI. Yeah, that is very aggravating and upsetting as well, because there are, I listen to people and they talk about this, and, and it's funny because people don't really look into it. They make it seem like Apple, I mean, the FBI just wants to get into just one phone. It's not what the FBI wants. The FBI wants there to be a backdoor to every iPhone so they can get into everybody's phone at will. And Apple's doing the right thing. They're protecting your content from them. Uh, you know, it may be it may be an issue. I mean, if you give up that liberty, I mean, like you said, the Fourth Amendment's already it's already gone. That Apple is basically doing everything that they can to preserve that 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 freedom for you, that right for you. Yeah, and conser- and conservatives are, um, you know, they're the ones conservatives who are the ones who are always saying that, oh, let the free market, let private corporations decide things, and then they get pissed off when a private corporation just puts their foot down to the government and says, no, we're not gonna do this, and the FBI is essentially says, hey, hey, come on, do it just this one time, we promise we'll only use it once, wink. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're only going to use it once. This is the FBI. This is a government agency. Like, you only use it once, then what, what are you going to do when the next big incident comes? Like, oh, we really need to use it this one more time. Wink. Oh, we need to use it one more time. 
wink. No, there's not going to be one more time. Like 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 you said, they wanted Apple to create a backdoor into the iPhone, so that way the FBI could be like, I think this guy's a terrorist. I want to get into his phone right now. And I I don't I honestly don't care why Apple did it. I don't care if it was for profit. I don't care if they did it on principle because it worked. Like I'm completely 100% behind Apple not saying no, we're not going to do it. And you know, it turns out the FBI figured out how to do it anyway without Apple doing it. So that's a win, I guess, for the FBI. Win for, the, win for them for now until the next iOS. Until the next right. So the next iOS system updates, and then Apple like because you know Apple. After they found out how to get it, Apple was just like furious about it. And they're just going to make an even more indestructible, you know, system now, just to mess with them. I mean, it's their right, it's their phone, it's their technology. They can do whatever they want with it. So, uh, but yeah, it's just upsetting just to just to hear people just be like, "Oh, well, I have nothing to hide, so I don't care if uh, the FBI gets." It's that's not the that's not the point, though. That's not the point. The point isn't. Uh, for you to not have something to hide. The point is, is that they don't have the right to go in there. I don't have anything to hide in my house, but I'm not going to let any willy-nilly stranger come into my house. And yes, if somebody is part of the federal government, they are a stranger. Just because they are a federal agency does not give them any more authority to come into my house than any other person walking along the street. Okay, so let's play a hypothetical game here, DeAndre. Hypothetical. And everybody else can join in on this game, too, while they're out there listening. So let's hypothetically say that the FBI is a benevolent government agency. I know it's going to take a lot of imagination, but the FBI is a benevolent government agency that is genuinely looking out for your best interest and for the security of the homeland. So so everybody has that picture in their head. And so, so you have nothing to hide. And you're okay with this this benevolent agency who is just looking out for you and your safety to be able to get into your phone at will. Okay, great. You know, the good guys, the FBI, they can get into your phone. You have nothing to hide. Let's say, you know, hypothetically, China is will we'll, we'll make them the bad guy in this situation. China also has the capability. They find out how to get into your phone. And China gets into your phone gets all of your, you know, personal financial records. They get all of your internet search history. They find out all the music you listen to. They find out whatever movies you want to. And they go through and they're like, oh, so-and-so likes this kind of porn. And they message you saying, hey, I know what kind of porn you like watching. And it can destroy you, you know, it can destroy your career discovering what kind of, you know, whatever. They find something incriminating to blackmail you on, and then you're a stooge for them. So, you know, it, they, they, they say that the FBI wants to use this, and you have nothing to hide, and I don't care if the FBI gets in my phone. Okay, what if someone who's not the FBI, a private citizen, gets into it and then blackmail you? Oh, you don't want your wife to see what you look up when she's sleeping, so you're going to do this for me. Right. People don't think about that. People don't think about that. Do you think Ted Cruz wants the whole world to know what his internet porn search is? I bet you he doesn't. DirtyDemocrats.com <laughs> I think we've made that joke a couple times, but in all, in all funny. seriousness, that, 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 that's not what people think about when they say they've got nothing to hide because everybody has something to hide. Everybody, Yeah, everybody has something to hide. 
And if you don't, you, and if, if you don't, you're basically just an infant at this point. Because <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have something to hide, then let us let us personally see your search history before you delete it. Like, let us go through your your entire search history back six months and if you got nothing to hide then it should be a problem should, should not be a problem at all <laughs> the Ted Cruz search history is so funny to me still it's, it's ridiculous but yeah no, that, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I've been wanting to talk about for a while and like I said I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's a point that a lot of people think of when they, when they talk about I've got nothing to hide right and then, even then, even if you don't have something to hide, it's the principle of the matter that it is your right to withhold unless somebody has a warrant or has just, you know, justifiable cause to invade your privacy. Beyond that, you know, you should be able to tell somebody, federal, federal agent or not, you should be able to tell them, no, I need you to have a justifiable cause or I need you to have a warrant in order to invade my privacy. I don't have nothing to hide. But I don't have to prove to you that I don't have nothing to hide. Yeah, that's, I completely agree. Like Privacy was a, something this country was built on. It was a foundation of our nation to have privacy from the government and from other people. So them taking it away from it, they're, they're violating our, our basic human rights as Americans. Right. And uh, back when we're, talk, we're talking about uh, this privacy, security rights, and... Uh, they're they're talking about getting the San Bernardino attacks, and it, it brings up a point that I talked about with you a few days ago. Not San Bernardino per se, but just just the terrorist attacks in general get me thinking about Brussels. Another thing that really, really, really upsets me is the Brussels attack happened, and the bodies aren't. They haven't even finished counting the dead. And the bodies aren't even cold, and it's it's already a partisan fight. Like Donald Trump is just like. I told you this was going to happen, and Ted Cruz is out there blaming Obama and ripping Obama apart for the failed leadership. Like every time any of these attacks happen, any time, like it doesn't matter if it's like gun violence here in this country, terrorist attacks, like it's automatically a partisan issue. Like, how can I use this attack to attack Democrats, or how can I use this attack to attack Republicans? And that really just that. That makes me more the most upset is that we can't just mourn with them and mourn the loss of life as a human being. We have to. How will this make Democrats look bad? Right. The only couple of times that something like that has ever even like unified us in this nation is Pearl Harbor and like nine eleven. Those are like the only two times where something absolutely tragic happened and we decided to come together as a country. We didn't even do that in the American Revolutionary War. We kind of had like a that was a very divisive war, uh, but yeah, about half about half the population was anti. Um, re- re- right. Apparently, only one third of the nation was even actually fighting against the British. Then there was like one third that was kind of against it, and then there was one third that was like neutral, like hey, we'll just wait to see like who wins, and those would be those would be the guys we're kind of cool with afterwards. So. That's not what history would teach you. Yeah, no, no. Everybody was yeah. total, total war in the colonies. Total war in the colonies. Way before it was invented by that liberal Napoleon Bonaparte. But, <laughs> but no, that's the thing. Like times like that, like times where people are dying and stuff. Like you should not be using the death of other people 
for your own political gain. You shouldn't be using that to, as an agenda. You should be using those. If you're going to use people dying, you should be using those as a, as a point to try to come together and try to find a resolution for these problems. You're supposed to use people dying as a way to bring people together and start talking about how are we going to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. Let's not try to fight over this, but let's come to a resolution that we can all agree on and that obviously would have some type of backing behind it. I think the best way to bring people together is to marginalize 3% of the population in this country and to have police officers patrol their neighborhoods and make them feel even more marginalized and glad than they already are. I think I think that will really solve the problem is by blaming Muslims in this country. Ted Cruz, 2016. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is an absolutely ridiculous idea. I mean, if you want to do that, you might as well just go get those old Japanese internment camps and then just kind of reopen those back up and just flood in all the Muslims right into there because that's the most constitutional thing you can do. I mean, even the Japanese internment thing was absolutely ridiculous. There was no evidence to support that the people, that the Japanese that were in those camps had any connection to the people that were in Japan. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, the... The Muslims here in this country are completely completely different than the Muslims that are living in Saudi Arabia, which is this authoritarian government. It's radical. I mean, it, it has no connection. That's like saying that, uh, you know, the people at your local church are the exact same type of Christians as Joseph Kony. Like, they're completely yeah, different types of people. Sure. Different types of people, different kind of cultures. And I'm also really upset that every time these attacks happen, people are just like, oh, let, let's ask a Muslim how they feel about it. Like, oh, why aren't you speaking out against that? Like, what, how, how disrespectful and insensitive are you? Like, when was the last time, like that Dylan Roof shooting, like nobody asked me, like, oh, how do you as a white person feel about Dylan Roof shooting a bunch of black people? Like, what? Like, like no, they, 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 any any other group it happens to, I know a majority of the mass shootings in this country are by white people and or okay a good example that um that Planned Parenthood shooter Robert Deere I believe his name was I didn't see anybody going to pro-lifers and saying to pro-lifers oh you know this pro-lifer shot a bunch of people like how do you feel about this like nobody asked any pro-lifers or Christians or conservatives how they felt after the Planned Parenthood shooting. No, they were pretty quick to say like, no, 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 he's not a conservative, he's not a pro-lifer, like, which is clearly false. But nobody asked them how they felt about it. But anytime a Muslim, you know, there's a terrorist attack by Muslims, oh, why aren't Muslims speaking out against this violence? And why aren't, uh, how do you feel about this as a Muslim? It, it, it's infuriating. I think the next time that there's a, a mass shooting in this country, and it's a white person, I think that we should start the episode off by me asking you, how do you feel about that white mass shooter? We need to do a video episode because then you could see how hard my eyes would roll. <laughs> Didn't know there could be that much white in a man's eyes until you see <laughs> how hard his They've eyes developed. roll. <laughs> They've developed their own gravity. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That is a very disrespectful thing. I definitely agree with you because they're the only, I mean, 
it's so ridiculous that you could just single out one group like that and just ask them how they feel about that. But then, just like you said with that guy, the Colorado shooter, oh, no, you know, they were basically going after it real hard. Like, oh, this wasn't for religious reasons. He wasn't a Christian, blah, blah, blah. When when they went to his house, all they saw was all this Christian paraphernalia all around his place. And he even said when he was getting arrested, he did it for the babies. Right. Did it for, did it for the babies. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's there's a hypocrisy in this country on both sides of the aisle. I, I know we harped on conservatives a lot, but like we said before, they are they are the most outspoken about it, and they use it the most to rabble their base, whereas Democrats use a little softer, subtler tones to convey their, their bullshit. And it appeals to people a lot better. Right. Particularly yeah. Republicans. Republicans are very brash and standoffish and angry, and the like, Democrats are just generally not as brash, standoffish, and angry, but they, they're they still full of shit. Oh, yeah, they're definitely full of it. I mean, arguably, they're equally, if not more, full of it because they're basically just, like, making... I mean, both sides, obviously, but I don't know. I guess I just really have, like, a vendetta about how, like, they play to minorities and, and play to, like, civil rights movements and stuff for, like, gays and Latinos and stuff, but they never really actually do anything for either of those groups until, like, the movement is already strong enough and then they jump on the bandwagon. No, and that's, I, mean, I mean, that that would... I could completely understand your frustration with that, and it's it's frustrating for me as well to just see them placate and pander to these groups and these people they they just eat it up they eat it up and it, it really comes down to both both parties really feed off of low information voters people who don't do a lot of their research they just listen to whatever news outlet justifies their own personal bias they read stuff that justifies their own personal bias i mean you could it does not take long for your Facebook feed to be filled up with everything that'll justify any prejudice or any preconceived view you have. It does not take long at all. And I generally have been trying more to like we, we've we've discussed in this episode below on the podcast before. Like I I tend to lean a little bit a little bit more left than I do right, which I'm okay with. But I been trying to read more stuff from the right like right wing watch and conservative tribune and stuff like that i've been trying to read stuff more from there and i don't necessarily agree with everything they have to say but it's just trying to see what kind of point of views they have about the same issues that i feel like so just get a broader perspective on things and not enough people do that because they'll, they'll read something on right wing watch and granted some of it is rather infuriating and they will take a story and just twist the facts to fit their same point of view, but Occupy Democrats and does does the exact same thing. I, I see people post stuff on Facebook about Occupy Democrats and it just rolls my eyes because it's just like, no, that's not... You're just taking the story and making it fit into your narrative of what you believe in. And while some of it I agree with, a lot of it is just like, eh, like, it's not the whole story, but I don't have time to argue with you. Right. No, I definitely... Especially, I, I mean, I see a ton of Occupy Democrat stuff, and that stuff is just, oh my gosh, sometimes I'm just like, I can't even believe that people even, like, post and believe half this stuff that's on there, but that's okay. I mean, now, Facebook like, argument. Why did we talk okay. Why did we talk about a bird being in a Bernie Sanders rally for, like, two days straight? Like, like are, are, we, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? We're going to talk about a bird landing on Bernie Sanders' podium at a rally? 
Like, come on, man. Like, come on. Like, can we talk about real things? And people like right. to complain about the media. People like to complain about the media giving Trump an easy time and, like, not talking about substance. I can't think of anything more shallow to talk about than a bird being on his his podium at a rally. Granted, it's cool. Like, it's, it's a really cool coincidence. And, like, I would love it for a bird to land that close to me because I love animals. But... Like, to go on about it and to create memes about it for, like, two-plus days, like, you're just as shallow as the right. You just haven't realized Ironically, it. the funny thing about that is is that that's completely, like, counterproductive to, like, what Bernie Sanders, like, whole agenda is because he would be, in that type of situation, he would say, who cares about the bird? Let's focus on the issues, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I mean, which is really yeah. ironic. It's a cool moment. Don't get me wrong. I won't take that away from him, but... Like, yeah, it just, it, it, that irritated me the last couple of days. I'm like, oh, that's cute and cool. And then it's like, okay, this is like the sixth time I've seen this. Can, can we please like move on? Right. I think I've only seen one post about that, about this so-called bird, but that's all it took for me to, to know exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. So on that note, we, um. We ended. We started the episode uh, making fun of conservatives, and we ended the note um, making fun of Bernie Sanders supporters. So I think this was a very productive episode. <laughs> More productive than we thought it'd probably be. I mean, it went longer than we thought it would go as well. I'm sure. I'm sure people. I'm sure people listening won't complain. And I mean, if you don't like it, we don't get a whole lot of feedback, so we don't know if you do what you don't like. So. Please just give us feedback, and we'll make these episodes better for you. Like, oh no, I hate it when you make fun of Bernie Sanders supporters. I'm sorry, but we'll if you say that, we'll probably do it more. But I mean, I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that end, is there anything you wanted to um, talk about before we wrap this up? Um, no, I think that we pretty much got everything we wanted to talk about. Same thing as always, guys. We would really appreciate it especially on, on uh, iTunes, if you guys would like um, and comment on there. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, we're going to, we started a Instagram page. We haven't really done anything with it yet, except for like got followers and followed some people. But uh, I think we'll probably start posting some pictures up there momentarily. Probably just a bunch of like uh, political comics and stuff like that. Cause I can't think of anything else that we would post pictures of, maybe pictures of each other. When we're uh, when we like get together and stuff like that, we can post some pictures of that. Um, and then probably gonna start a Reddit page shortly after that. Um, probably a little bit later this week, and then we'll send out some invites to that as well. For sure. And um, we have a we have a big project that we um, that we're lining up to do during the summer for about a week or two, and then we we would also like to. Um, do a live stream of the presidential election, like the general election results, like us get together and do a live stream on YouTube so that you guys can watch us, like our analysis and our reactions to stuff. But as far as the project goes, I wanted to, this is something me and me and Deandre have been toying around with for a, a couple weeks now. And, um, we wanted, we wanted to send it out here and get, get your guys's feel on it. And it's, it's something that's going to be really expensive. So we will, probably have to start a GoFundMe account and ask for funds but what we really want to do is sometime in July or August is like rent a car and essentially drive 
around the whole state of Michigan, lower peninsula and some of the upper. We're not going to go to, there's so much in the upper, not a whole lot in the upper peninsula, but drive some of the upper peninsula, talk to people, get there, get get other people's fields because we, we're both in like our own little comfort zones of people we talk to like that we know really well and, and what they believe in their views. We want to go get out there, go to all every part of the state because our state is really big and it's really diverse with a lot of different views and we want to see like what people in our state are really worried about like you know we're like we said we're not journalists we we just want to go out there and say hey like what are you worried about the future of the country who are you supporting and why and like how do you think we need to get to a better place as a country in the next 4 to 6 years so that's something we're really looking forward to do but like i said it's going to take some time it's going to take some money a lot of money we don't have so we will probably start a gofundme page here in the next month to solicit and ask for donations so that we can make this this dream project a reality so we'd really appreciate if you could support us in that endeavor yeah that would be very much supported please 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 do what you can um every little bit will help with that that would actually be the best time for us to have an instagram account to be taking pictures with all these random people that we're meeting and talking to our political views about. And regardless if they have a smile or a frown on their face, it would be absolutely nice to put their pictures on our page. And we'll, yeah, and we'll, probably, we'll probably do a compilation of recordings and we'll probably do an entire episode. It'll probably be a pretty long episode just based on things we've talked about with various people. So... Like I said, we're going to have to get money around because I, I don't want to drive my car around the state. So I'll probably need to get a rental car, hotel accommodations, and, and stuff of that nature. So just just think about us in the next couple, couple upcoming months. Right, definitely think about us. Um, that about wraps it up. Thank you so much, guys. Um, Again, you guys can find us. If this is the first time listening to us, you can find us on – what are we on Instagram? I can't remember. Uh, you, you can just type in Irrational Thoughts and find Irrational us. Thoughts. We're the Irrational Thoughts podcast on Facebook. Um, we're going to have a Reddit page soon. We are on Twitter, IRR Thoughts. Um, I don't know if we're going to be doing We need to start doing some more tweets. We should probably post this episode on Twitter. But uh, I prob- Yeah, I probably will. I was thinking about that the other day. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if we'll be doing any more live tweets. We'll probably, we'll, we'll probably start doing some more live tweets when the actual, like, uh, nominees are selected and then they just start having the one versus one uh, debates and stuff. Might do some live tweets when we do that. That'll be something that I'll have to, that we'll have to talk over and see how uh, particularly Matt is feeling about that because he's the live tweet master. Yeah, true. (laughs) But again, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, Again, my name is DeAndre Honorable and I'm here with my co-star. Matthew, of course. Hope you guys have a great day. Thank you.